disconnected the podcast uh, this is the making of the mogul podcast where the dream is free but the hustle the hustle the hustle the hustle was so separately baby and um i am your host behavioral scientist tanola oliver and um if this is your first time tuning in the making of the mogul podcast is a derivative of a live research study i conducted on curtis 50 cent jackson I've conducted that research study on several other individuals. I have a total of about seven men that I have conducted a live research study on, uh, Donald Trump being one of them, and uh, Curtis 50 Cent Jackson uh, was probably the most interesting. And so uh, it is totally about his matriculation into media mogul uh, the the everything is about his professional life, nothing about his personal life. And um, we went from the live research study into doing a book study um, via the internet on hustle harder, hustle smarter. The feedback that I received from that particular book study was people wanted me to continue to unpack various business models within the book and continue to expound upon them. And out of that derive this particular podcast. And so what we continue to do is to follow the professional path um, of Curtis 50 Cent Jackson and continue to unpack the blueprint of his professional life. And so the last podcast was about worthy opponents. And I received an amazing amount of feedback about the worthy opponents podcast. And it was me unpacking the video of Venus Williams and her daughter. And so I begin to unpack what I seen as various structures and components of leadership in addition to as it relates to integrity, um, 
how do we choose worthy opponents? And so today I want to unpack, I, I want to, this is part two of that, and I want to continue that conversation today. Um, but there's three different areas that I want to talk about today. And um, a lot of times when people who achieve a certain level of success, if you look at Curtis Jackson, um, oftentimes, um, so I'll say this. I have uncovered the um, that potentially the Curtis Jackson has a lot of um, that there is some family integrated into his projects, right? They just don't identify themselves as family, um, and so which is important. It says a lot about his leadership. And so on the surface, when we see Curtis Jackson, uh, he looks notorious, particularly if you take a look at any of his um, Instagram or anything. It, it's it, he, he appears to be notorious. But behind the scenes, particularly someone such as myself who has conducted a live research study on his professional life, he really has an exemplary leadership style because he knows how to build a healthy team and he knows how to, and he does a yeoman's job at choosing people who need to restart their lives um, and opening a door for them to rebuild and restart their lives at a level of success that is attainable. And, um, but on the surface, he looks notorious. And if you, and I compare myself to him a lot because I think anybody who has taken that journey of attempting to shift paradigms um, on levels of success particularly the ebbs and flows and the ups and against um, is the misconception that I was a notorious business, right? Um, and so, and, and I'm using that as a parallelism when I talk about the Curtis Jackson. You, If you look at some of the stories that surface about him, you would think that he was a notorious person, but behind the scenes or, or um, interacting with him professionally um, that's not the best that it, it really is furthest from the truth right um, and so for me while everybody has a different vehicle of navigating the terrain of their professional lives um, the, the ebbs and flows and the difficulties for me. This was my tool um, because I realized there was a lot of people out there. So once my life shifted 
and um, I started to enter into different circles of influence, there was a lot of things that were attached to me um, that uh, were contrary to my brand. When I say my brand, I'm saying who I am as a business person. Um, be, why? It, it happens to everybody, right? Um, and everybody has a way of coping with those various components of their lives. For me, I'm a coach, right? Um, that's that's one of the things that I've been able to do successfully throughout my life, whether it was as a pastor or as a minister or for someone um, as, a, as a contractor, right? Someone, uh, business development, helping people um, uh, launch their businesses off of the ground, right? And every now and again, uh, part of doing that is helping people overcome the ebbs and flows and difficulties that crop up in their personal lives. Um, and because there's nothing new under the sun and, and, and because of the things that I've experienced on a business and a, and a prof- personal and a business level, people has all, have always been forth uh, telling with me and open and honest with me. So I've been able to help them in ways that most business professionals, number one, wouldn't help and couldn't help. Um, but I understood that, that people and business people, that, that as individuals and human beings, we are a total package, right? And that's the human resources background in me talking. And so sometimes helping people navigate those personal things in their lives pushes them to the next level professionally. And who better to do that for me than for me to do that for myself, Right. And so I took to this platform about two years ago and I began to unpack um, the narrative of my professional life and uh, unpack some of those misconceptions about me. And, um, and, and Curtis Jackson talks about a number of components in his book, but the one that I think touches everybody's life um, is when Curtis talks about his difficult relationship with his son. And he talks about how his son's mother, um, she lacks ambition. And because she lacks ambition, he has a perception that that uh, lack of ambition has... Been an issue for his son, and so he feels like his son has this sense of entitlement that has been a real difficult area for him because this is is his first son, and and I I, I totally understand that, and so I've built a uh, a wall up around my son as I've been raising him and navigating the terrains of my professional life. Uh, But that particular story in his book resonates with me because as my son entered into his teenage years, 
it's been very difficult for my son to date. And so while the young ladies that he has an interest in um, have been resistant because their mothers are under the perception that I'm some type of woman that I'm actually not, right? And and so this, this um, perception that I'm this notorious business person has run over into my personal life and people perceiving me as a notorious individual and that I would be notorious in handling their daughters as it relates to my son. Um, and it, it really is a mis a misconception. Uh, and it's been difficult for me to watch my son have to navigate my issues that have absolutely nothing to do with him. Um, and so one of the things that has been persistent in my life is my relationships with my brothers. Um, and, and every time I hit one of these hiccups in life, um, it's like, one of my brothers um, step in and navigate and help me move forward, right? And in, in, in those areas. And I've just, and, to, and I was just thinking this morning that how blessed I am to have those type of relationships in my life that help me to protect the integrity of my brand and the integrity of who I am. And so uh, while there has been some misconceptions out there, there has been just as many um, truth tellers as well. But uh, unfortunately, it is the negativity that, that, that people seem to listen to the most or carry with them the most, right? Um, but I'm, uh, as I'm thinking about this topic and worthy opponents and, and things of that nature, it, it, what, there are three different areas that pop up in my mind. And one, um, I think it is always, a lack of integrity to ever use somebody's child as a means of war. Um, I think that is probably one of the most unintegral things that a person could ever do. And I am a praying woman. And I believe beyond a shadow of a doubt, and I know it, for myself, um, and my mother was a businesswoman, right? My mother worked for the government, and 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 what I know as an individual is that two things that the Lord protects, and that's that's babies and foods. Babies meaning children, 
and fools and that can be just people who are just ignorant of what's taking place in their environment. Using someone's child as a means of war is probably one of the most unintegral things that could ever happen. And it does not go unchecked in the spirit realm. The worst thing that anybody could ever do is to use somebody's child to retaliate against them. And I'm telling you what I know for myself. I'm not telling you anything that I've seen or heard anybody else say. I've seen a trail of destruction behind my life of people who attempted to use me to retaliate against my mother or my biological father. And so when we talk about worthy opponents, no child, no innocent person is ever a worthy opponent. And, and so that's, that's, that's the one area I want to talk about that I've, well, that I've, that I've talked about. Number two, um, friends and family. I spent decades protecting people who didn't protect me. I'm saying decades, decades, decades. I let people lie on me for years. <laughs> I let people tell stories about me for years because, and I say years, I'm talking about decades, because I was successful enough that I could stay elevated above it. It wasn't really until my divorce happened that I had to deal with the lies. And so for me as an individual, I think the most gutter thing that you can ever do to a person, and the only people that can technically do this to you, um, is somebody who's a family member or somebody who's a friend. Because they're the only people that have that type of access to you where they can carry that information, right? That people will believe them because they have access to you, right? And I think it is one of the most evil things that a person can do is to take a small truth and to manipulate it into such a lie that it can stain someone's character and reputation. But I allow people to, to lie for a number of years. Number one, because again, I was elevated above it. I didn't, I didn't really have to deal with it. Um, and, and so while I knew it was taking place and things were being said, it was important for me to still maintain my relationships with my family and my friends 
despite what I knew what they were saying about me, because I'm a person that genuinely cares for people, right? That's the pastor in me. And oftentimes people that carry rumors and lies are weak people. And so while they can carry a lie on you, direct conflict in dealing with them about that lie can destroy them. And so one of the, I think the most difficult things for me as it relates to my friends and my family, some of those friends are, I don't really have close relationships with them anymore, was that I was the first. I was the first to do a lot of things. I was the, I was the first um, apostolic in my immediate family that moved from the Baptist to the apostolic church. And I didn't even realize that that was a point of contention for my family until recently. Um, I just thought I was making a decision for myself, but somehow my family processed that as our family church not being good enough. And it, it for that for me, it wasn't that it was good enough. It was that there was areas of the Bible that we didn't talk about. And that I, I had experience for myself, like signs, miracles, wonders, uh, dreams, visions, prophesying, speaking in tongue, things that I had experienced for myself outside of the Baptist church that the Baptist church did not really talk about. And, and so for me to live my truth, it was, it was instrumental for me to step into the apostolic faith at that time. Right. Um, But I never really understood how that affected my family and how it was perceived within our church that I had left. Right. My family and joined another church. I um, I didn't really understand that until within the past couple of years of what type of impact that had on them still remaining in that church. Um, not only was I the only apostolic, I was the first person to have a, um, college, a formal college degree in my family. And, um, for them, and, and remind you, I was cultivated in predominantly Caucasian environments. Um, so for them here, I, here I was not only this young lady who, you know, partially um, vacillated, you know, back and forth between uh, my blackness and the whiteness of my environment. Now I had a college education and somehow my family perceived that as me attempting to be better than them. Um, And so there was a lot of lies and rumors around me thinking I was better and um, just a lot of things uh, that that were hurtful for me that I that I did I left unchecked and didn't deal with because um, confrontation about it I know would have destroyed the person and so for me I would have re- I I felt 
that I would, I was elevated above it and, and, and let them have that. Um, and, and let me continue to live my life because it, it, it wasn't of any effectual, it, it, it was of no cause or effect in my life. Um, other than it was hurtful. Um, because there was nothing that I would ever not do for my family, financially, emotionally, or whatever. Um, but it was sometimes people perceive help, wanting to help, willingness to help, as, oh, she thinks she better. Um, and so it was hurtful. But again, I didn't have to deal with it. Right. Um, I was elevated above it. And so I didn't have to deal with it. And what I realized is that sometimes people say and do what they they say, what they say and they do what they do because they want to see you hurt. And so it was in my existence at a level of not allowing it to affect me that became more of an offense to them than the original lie. Um, and and. Uh, again, hurtful and difficult, but you have to continue to push through life, right? Um, and then there is this. So and and so, let me continue to talk about how some of that misperception. And and I love my family. I love my friends. It, I, I was the first to do a lot of things. I, I was the first person to. Well, um, I was a second generation entrepreneur, um, but uh, my family member that was the first generation entrepreneur did not live in the same state that we lived in. So we didn't really have to interact with his life on a day to day basis. And so I, honestly, for my immediate family, I appeared to be the first generation entrepreneur that worked for myself. And so I would enter in the salon at 7 a.m. in the morning and, and leave out at uh, 2 a.m. in the morning at times. And so I'm working a lot. And so when it was the time to do family events and things of that nature, um, I was late. Um, I was uh, sometimes um, if we went out to eat somewhere, I, I, I just uh, interacting with um, I have, by the time I made it to my family, my level of tolerance was sometimes low because I had been in the salon for 10 and 11 hours, not taking it out on them, but interacting with, um, that, that's why customer service is so important to me, interacting with staff who don't understand that I've been in my job right now. This is, this, this is your thing. I've been in my job. So help me help you, right, um, by interacting with me as if, you know, we're here for, for service, good service, right? And so, um, and so they would see a lot of that because I would literally run from the shop to whatever we were having and hadn't taken off that management hat yet. And so a lot of things that they began to process me as being a difficult personality really was just my lifestyle as an entrepreneur and not having the ability to decompress before I stepped into an environment with my family. 
And so they process that in ways that really hindsight is 2020 um, is hurtful for me because they never, I'm, I'm always giving people the benefit of the doubt and they never really offered me the benefit of the doubt. They just chose to take something, a negative narrative about me and run with it. She this, she that, she thinks she did, da, 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 versus nobody stepping back and saying, this chick works a lot, right? Um, and so all of, so I've had to navigate that terrain, right? And so imagine my son now attempting to date young ladies and that perception of his mother is out there with this furthest from the truth, right? Now, I do have a low tolerance for bullshit. Don't, that, that's, that's factual. Um, but one of the most compassionate and caring people that anybody could ever interact with, but they, they have to deal with the surface, which is um, um, my boundaries, right? You got to get past, um, you know, how to engage a person's boundaries before you get to that part of who they are, right? And, and that's what I'm talking about with Curtis Jackson um, and uh, how he appears to be notorious. But if, if you have the ability to get beyond the, the surface of what he appears to be, he's actually an amazing uh, leader. Right. And so um, and, and again, we're talking about worthy component, uh, worthy opponents. Right. And so no one's child. You, you never turn anybody's child into a tool of war. Right. One of the most unintegral things that a person can do. Right. Really should be should go to jail for. Right. Literally. Um, and uh, secondly, um, using personal information against family and friends in a public space once you've decided that um, you feel a certain type of way, right? Taking a close friend, inf little information about a, a close friend and making it public and manipulating that information so that you can degrade their image so that you can elevate yourself, right? That that's what I'm, that's what we're talking about here. And any part of a lie is an entire lie. Um, if I have on, um, if I have on, um, uh, if I have on. Uh, A yellow dress, right? If I have on a yellow dress, um, and somebody reports that I had on a little skimpy yellow dress with my tail hanging out, and then somebody sees a photograph of me, and I had on a yellow A-line dress that was below my knee, then the fact that the dress was yellow is null and void, right? Because the, it was the description of the yellow dress that made the entire thing a lie, right? 
that type of thing is, I think, one of the most evil things that anybody can ever do. And unfortunately, um, it is the reason why when people get to a certain level of success, that they begin to shut doors in their life. Because you can very easily become a token for the people that you love as a as the person that um, that you use to to elevate yourself um, while demonizing them, right? And I, I cannot demonizing um, just feeling used in itself is enough, right? Um, without demonizing them, um, without lying on them, just using somebody in their personal life um, to elevate yourself is um, is so unintegral. Um, it's so it lacks compassion. It lacks integrity. It lacks just concern for a human life. And to do that to somebody who loves you and cares about you, that considers you family or considers you friends, is is probably one of the worst things that a person can do, right? And then lastly, again, we're talking about worthy opponents. Um, and I want to talk a little, and I'm just going to touch on it a little bit, and I'm going to leave it alone. Let's talk about sibling rivalry. Um, sibling rivalry while we're talking about friends and family. Because there's, um, we talked about mother and and daughter relationships last week. Um, And this is all, again, stemming from the Venus and Serena. I mean, not Venus and Serena, but the Venus, what's it mean? No, Serena Williams, I'm sorry. And um, her daughter, the video. And, um, Sibling rivalry is also a thing, um, and it can be nasty, and it can be dangerous. Um, people need people, and and like I said, I have been fortunate enough in my life um, that I've had brothers to come alongside of me and lift up my arms and hold my arms up until my seasons of exhaustion passed. Um, but people need people in life and, um, in life, we all need people. And if you cannot depend on your siblings, um, I think that is, I think that's sad. Um, and sibling rivalry, um, is destructive in so many different ways. Um. And I think how parents deal with it makes the difference. Um, my so I was so I had step um, I had step um, what is it step siblings, but the person that was the closest and the nearest to me, like a sibling, was my cousin. Um, my first cousin, and um, I've never talked about this before, 
but I feel the freedom today to talk about it. Um, and um, there there was a sibling rivalry between us, and it and it never really dawned on me that it really existed until I started talking about this topic of worthy opponents. Um, so there was nine years between myself and my first cousin and um, she really is the reason for how successful I was professionally and it was not because she encouraged me to be successful. It, it was because I wanted to outlive her disdain for me. There was this invisible rivalry between us that I didn't even know really existed until I was about 25. And again, I uh, looking back, I feel like I was an opponent who didn't know I was an opponent. And and I want to be very, very intentional about saying that I love my friends and family. I have never shut the door on any of them. The door has always been open to, to reconcile and rebuild relationships with me. Um, and I've um, sometimes the, there's been some distance. Um, because every now and again, I've run across some information that has been, um, extremely hurtful to me. Um, but I don't believe in throwing away people. And so I have never, um, because I'm an imperfect person. And so while I've been hurt, um, I, 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 I've, I know that I've caused some hurt. Um, I just not at the level and the degree um, that people have attempted to hurt me. But again, it is really because of how they perceived my life, right? And how they perceived me because I was the person, the first of, of, uh, that, that did a lot of things that, um, that they didn't really understand and, and couldn't process, right? Um, because they weren't living my life style. And so, um, I don't know if my parents or my family or any of them were aware. I think maybe potentially they were, maybe, maybe not of how, um, mean is the word. Um, my cousin was to me, but all of my life, I've processed it as tough love, not even knowing what tough love was, quote unquote. Um, but it wasn't until I was about 25 years old that I realized that there was some sort of invisible rivalry between us. Um, but even prior to that, if somebody was to ask me about 
what right what because we all have these internal and external reasons for motivating our success um my external reason that i was motivated to be successful was wanting to live above the disdain that my cousin had for me and when i say disdain um you you really have to understand the components of sibling rivalry it's not that two people don't love each other it's not that very much aware that she loved me uh i'm sure she was very much aware that i loved her but there was always this invisible competition between us. And I don't know if it existed between our parents and I was unaware of it. I don't know. Um, but there was something towards me that caused her behavior with me to be hurtful a lot. Um, And what took the pain out of our relationship was my success. And so in saying all of that today, I cannot admonish people enough to turn off television and reality TV shows that push our mental state to a place beyond compassion and normal human interaction where we are willing to make opponents out of innocent people, people unaware, children, our own friends and family, so that we can elevate ourselves. Like, I don't want to live in that type of society. I don't want to exist in that type of community. I don't want to have to mentally live in that space. And this really, this is, is this a clarion call? Is this me sounding the alarm? Um, Is this me making people aware of it? Um, it is all of that. And as a behavioral scientist, I am uh, admonishing people to heal, heal. The only thing that I can imagine that will push people to use someone's child as, uh, as a as a, uh, a a token to get back at somebody else is if you live and exist in a very toxic space where you are you are you need healing you are unhealthy and you need healing about your self-image about how you see yourself in perception of others um to demonize somebody who has never really done anything towards you other than exist in their own world. Um, it, it is all about how we see ourselves 
in relationship to others. And lastly, I just want to say thank you to my brothers. For those that that return my text messages, to those that return my telephone calls, to those that reach out to me on social media, however, whatever you've done um, to hold my arms up in my seasons of exhaustion, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are in my prayers. And this is behavioral scientist Tanola Oliver. This is the Making of the Mogul podcast where the dream is free, but the hustle, the hustle, the hustle, the hustle was sold separately, baby. And um, uh, I pray that you find your people. Find your people, find your tribe. 